Hi everyone and welcome to episode number four of the Parenting With podcast. Okay, so just recently I saw an article circulating around Facebook titled A Silent Tragedy and How We're Raising Our Children. In this article, it points out the rising number of kids being diagnosed with mental illness. These statistics were no shock to me or my friends working in mental health, so I thought it was really important that we spend several episodes talking about this silent tragedy. So today begins this first discussion with Jennifer Golia. Jennifer is a licensed marriage and family therapist who has been in private practice since 2017. She holds a Master's of Science degree in Marriage and Family Therapy from the University of New Hampshire. Working with teenagers is one area of her job that she loves the most, including helping teens with trauma, anxiety, and depression. Prior to being in private practice, Jennifer spent over 10 years working with children, teenagers, and their families in the community mental health setting. This experience included seeing clients and their families in the community, home, school, and office settings, as well as in a residential setting. I hope you enjoy today's show. All right, Jennifer, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Uh, before we begin, uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a private practice in Portsmouth. Um, over 50% of my practice is made up of teenagers um, and preteens. Um, I really enjoy seeing teenagers that struggle with anxiety and depression um, and some that have struggled with trauma. Uh, in my spare time, I really like being outside. I like spending time with my husband and my family and friends. Um, like to run, like to do yoga. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Great, thank you. So in this show, I really like to humanize the experience of parenting because no one is perfect and this whole idea that we people should be perfect is really just unrealistic. So I know in my former work with teens and adolescents, I would often share stories from my own youth as a way to make connection, but more importantly, to share a lesson for that particular child's benefit. So do you have any story from your own youth that you often share with the kids that you're working with? Um, so I see a lot of teenagers just as they're getting their license, their licenses. Um, and a lot of the time they're disappointed that their parents aren't buying them brand new cars as soon as they get their license. Um, and so I often share that my brand new car was a 1984 Toyota Camry. Um, the car actually, the, the key was broken off in the ignition. And the car actually started with a dime. Um, initially, I was really disappointed with the car. Um, but then I also realized, so it wouldn't matter if I got a dent in the car. Um, my friends actually really ended up liking the car. Um, they actually nicknamed it the magic car because it started with a dime. Um, and I, I, I actually think I enjoyed that car more than some of my friends who had brand new cars because the car had personality um, in a way that the new cars didn't. That's great. I, mine was a Ford Taurus wagon. I have no idea what the year was, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a big green car. So <laughs> that's great. How many miles were on it? 
Oh my gosh. I think it must have, when I got it, it had like over 150,000 miles on it. Um, I ended up driving it to the junkyard before I went to college. Um, I cried as it went. Um, but it was a good car. It was a good first car. It was safe. It got me from point A to point B. If I got a dent in it, it really didn't matter. Um, yeah. I, 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 and looking back, I'm glad that was my first car and it wasn't a brand new car. <laughs> Funny. It's great. So tell me, did you always want to be a therapist and what led you towards working with adolescents and teens? So I actually started out as an elementary school teacher. Um, and I noticed that I really liked working with the social emotional part of, of students versus teaching them their ABCs. Um, and so I actually um, left the field of education and pursued, um, pursued a career in therapy. Um, I've always been drawn toward working with children and teens. Uh, I think in part because I just think that's where I can make the biggest difference. You know, if, if teenagers and children learn coping skills and learn how to talk about their emotions, um, then I, I think they'll have an easier time in adulthood. I think they could avoid a lot of the struggles of adulthood. Yeah, that's, that's true. Great. So when I first came up with this goal of starting the podcast, I knew that mental health was a topic that I really wanted to explore because so often a kid's misbehavior is a huge sign that something bigger is going on with the child. I imagine some parents, not all, but some may drag their kids to therapy, expecting that the therapist to sort of fix the child. Has this been your experience? And what are some underlying concerns that kids are facing that may be fueling this misbehavior? Um, so I think, well, first I wanna say, most of the teenagers and kids that I see in therapy, they really wanna be there. Um, it's my experience that teens and kids want to do well. They just don't always quite know how. Um, you know, I've had teenagers actually personally call me to try and schedule a first-time appointment. Um, so I do. I, I think teens are good at trying to reach out. Uh, I think a lot of the time when teens are struggling with their behavior, um, they might be anxious, they might be depressed, and they don't know necessarily um, how to verbalize that. They might not have the insight yet that that's what's going on. Um, I think that's especially true with, with preteens, uh, that they might be anxious or depressed if they're acting out. I also think, you know, the teens that are acting out, they might be being bullied at school. Um, they might be really struggling with their peers. Um, and they just might not have the communication skills or the tools yet to deal with that. Uh, yeah. So how do you then engage with the parents when you have a teen that is struggling with, with these things? So I think that first with both the teen and with the family, um, I work really hard to meet them both where they're at, to build a relationship, to validate them. Um, to normalize that a lot of teens uh, struggle. Um, I work really hard for everyone to know that the teenager isn't necessarily the quote unquote problem. 
um, it's, you know, what's going on with the teenager, it's something that the family can face together. Um, I'm a big believer that part of what makes a difference in therapy is the relationship between the therapist and the client and the family. Um, so I, I work really hard to meet the parents and the teenager where they're at. Um, and to engage them that way at first, and just to get to know them, to get to know them as people, beyond mm -hmm. what's beyond their difficulties, beyond what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. What are some common dynamics that you see among families that make it more challenging? Um, I think some of the dynamics are a lack of communication. Um, so if families aren't open about talking about emotions, um, and talking about what's really going on with their teens beyond the superficial level, um, I think that makes it a lot more challenging. I think if there's more than one caretaker and the caretakers aren't um, on the same page around how they're parenting, that can make it a lot more challenging. Um, if there's not a lot of consistency and structure, um, yeah, it can make it harder. You know, I think um, with parents of younger children, the, those parents seem to know that kids like rules and they like structure. And teenagers are similar. They like rules and they like structure. The rules and structure just have to adjust a little bit to allow for them to be a little more independent. But there still needs to be some rules and some structure there. Absolutely. Uh, I also think that... Um, you know, they, there have to be good boundaries within the family. Um, teenagers aren't adults yet, and they can't be treated as adults. Uh, so there have to be solid boundaries. There has to be some kind of hierarchy. It's interesting, too, because I think a lot of parents will say, well, they don't, they don't listen to my rules, or they don't respect the rules. But... Really, the kids oftentimes, I think, are crying out for that structure, for that discipline. Can you speak a little bit more about that when you have a, a family whose parents' perception is that the child or the, the teenager is not willing to respect the rules, and then you have a teenager that's sort of defying those rules? I think... Uh... A lot of the time when teens defy the rules, um, it's that the teenager is growing and trying to be independent. Um, and so then parents and teens have to sit down and really discuss what's going on. They have to discuss expectations and rules. And maybe the rules need to be adjusted a little bit because the teenager is maybe um, but teenagers still like to know what to expect and they like consistent expectations. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, I was teaching a class last night and we were talking about challenges that we see with students and it was really great how the class was able to come together and really understand that those are the opportunities for for learning and for growth for students and that rather than looking at them as 
you know, this horrible thing, that that's really where the growth is. Yes. So statistics show that one out of five teens are experiencing mental illness. And suicide is sadly the second leading cause of death in young people ages 15 to 24 years of age. When should a parent be reaching out for help? And what are some signs that they should be on the lookout in determining that their child may benefit from talking to a therapist? So I think if parents notice that their child is sleeping a lot more or a lot less, if they notice that their child is isolating uh, more than usual, so maybe up in their room more than usual, um, or is not seeing friends that they normally see, um, if the child or teenager doesn't have an appetite or all of a sudden has way more of an appetite, um, you know, if, if the child or teenager um, is crying a lot of the time, um, certainly those would all be signs um, that maybe something isn't quite right. Um, and the child or teenager might really not know what's wrong. They just might know that they don't feel quite right. Um, so they might not even know that they need help yet. They just know that something is different. And if a parent is not familiar with what therapy is or, or how it works, what can you tell them about that? Um, what does a session look like? So uh, in, in my own therapy practice, um, the teenager and their parents will come in for an intake. The intake usually lasts between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes. Um, and during the intake, I really just try and get to know the teenager and his or her parents. Um, you know, usually I spend about half the time with the parents present and half the time without the parents present. Um, we go over what I can keep confidential and what I can't keep confidential. But really, the, the first session is just, the intake is just about me getting to know the teenager and the parents as people. Um, and trying to develop a relationship with them. Um, you know, if, if you look at my office, my office almost looks like it could be a living room um, because I want people to be comfortable here. I want this to be a safe environment where people can discuss their emotions and what's really going on for them. And can you speak more about confidentiality and what that looks like? Um, so. I, with, with teenagers, um, I will keep, if a teenager is seeing me and the parents aren't in the room, um, I will keep everything confidential unless a teenager tells me that um, he or she is going to hurt themselves, um, unless they tell me that someone is hurting them, um, then I'm obligated to say something. Um, and usually I will try and get the teenager to work with me to tell their parents. Um, I also really work hard if there's substance use. I work hard to have us both talk with the parents about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things will sometimes come up in session and I, I have an inkling that it would be good if parents know. 
And so I am usually able to get the teenager and I to talk with mom and dad about that together. And it, it usually goes really well. Um, but I go over all of this the first session so that there's not, there really aren't any surprises down the road. And, and I feel like maybe that's why it usually goes well, because the teenagers know what to expect. Great. Great. And so how does a family go about finding a therapist for either them, the, for the parent or for the child? So there's a uh, website, Psychology Today. It's psychologytoday.com. And you can actually go in there and you can put in your zip code and search for a therapist. Um, you could also, if you have insurance, you can call your insurance company um, and ask for a list of therapists in your area that take your insurance. Um, and usually if you call a therapist and that therapist is full, they're able to maybe give you a referral to a different therapist. Um, so those are just, those are the first two ways that came to mind that you could go about getting, reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. Great. And I always tell people, you know, finding a therapist is like finding a pair of shoes. Like yeah. you might try one on and it might not fit so well. And so don't take that as a sign that there's, you know, there's no shoes out there for you. Just go and find maybe another provider that, that you might connect with a little bit more. No, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, I feel like you need to be comfortable. People, teenagers, everyone, you need to be comfortable with your therapist in order for the therapy to be productive, in order for it to work. Um, so if you go and you see someone and it doesn't feel quite right, you know, it's okay to be honest with that therapist and say, you know, this doesn't feel quite right. Can I have the name of someone else? Um, it's also okay to go and find someone else yourself if you, if you don't feel comfortable talking with that therapist about it. Um, but keep looking until you find someone that you feel like you can really talk to and be honest with and develop a relationship with. Now, what happens if, a, if an adolescent, high school age student wants to seek mental health therapy, but their parents won't consent to treatment? So I actually do need parental consent to treat anyone who is under 18. Um, and that's, it's a difficult fact, but that's the law. That's what I have to follow. Um, I've had teenagers call me before that are under 18 and they want to come in for therapy. And I really encourage them to let their parents know and have their parents reach out to me. Um, there have been a few times where the teenager has needed another adult support in order to do that. So the teenager uh, reaches out to a teacher or a guidance counselor uh, to help them communicate with their parent that, hey, you know, I, I want therapy, um, but I, I need your support around this in order to go. Great. And for those parents, I think most of our listeners, you know, that they, they would never prevent their kid from seeing a therapist, but those parents that may be, you know, not seeing value in therapy, what would you say to them about uh, either seeking help for themselves or, or for their child? Um, I 
would ask the parent to try and be open-minded um, and maybe to think back to struggles that they had when they were a teenager or when they were younger and how valuable it might have been to have some other support. Um, I would also, you know, maybe the parent could come in and just have a session with the therapist um, and get some information from the therapist around how therapy works. Um, and also maybe get some information around anxiety or depression or whatever that teenager might be facing uh, and the benefits that therapy could offer for treating anxiety and depression. Yeah, I mean, I really think everyone can benefit from seeing a therapist. It, it's so valuable to have that person that you can go to for support. And I remember I had one friend who, who decided to bring bring her child to see a therapist for, you know, sort of minor things. But, uh, you know, she said something that was really beautiful in that, you know, if he ever needs someone, then I know that he'll have someone to go to for if there is ever a real crisis in the family or in his life. And I thought that was a real beautiful thing to start, you know, it's okay to introduce therapy, even if, you know, there isn't this overt thing going on with the child, um, it can be really helpful for them. It, it can be helpful for them. And I've actually have had a few parents reach out to me and want their teenager to develop a rapport with someone kind of proactively so that if something does occur, that teenager has someone to talk to. Um, and, and I support that because I, I think, you know, as parents, we want to think that our children and teenagers are going to come to us with everything. Um, and they might come to us with most things, but they might also really appreciate an objective person to talk with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that age is so hard. There, there's so many things that, that they're dealing with, whether it be hormones, peer pressure, uh, you know, figuring out what they're going to do after college. So th that sort of leads me to my next question, which is what are some of the biggest concerns or struggles that you see facing the clients that you're working with? Um, so I see a lot of teenagers working really hard in school um, and really getting upset when they struggle and when they don't always get the A. Um, and, and I think it's really hard for them. That they don't have life experience yet. So I think it's really hard for them to put things in perspective. Um, I think that Teenagers today, they have social media in a way that previous generations didn't. And I think, you know, I had a teenager I saw last night and she said, it, it never stops. The social media never stops. She never does not have contact with her friends, um, which in some ways she really appreciates. And in other ways, she craves alone time, but doesn't really have the skills yet to set that boundary with her friends. Um, a lot of teenagers I see also really struggle with peer dynamics at school, um, where they're not necessarily bullied, but they don't necessarily have the skills yet to communicate 
and to set yeah to set boundaries with their peers around what's okay and what's not okay. Um, those are those are just a few off the top of my head. Those are just a few of the struggles I see a lot of the time in my practice. Mm -hmm. What are some, you know, obviously with therapy, and I think people confuse this that going to see a therapist isn't about getting advice or, you know, telling you what to do. It's about supporting the individual and, and helping them sort of solve the problem or, or figure out what, what they're going to do. But, but how do you approach the whole social media in your practice? And what are some things that um, you, you find yourself maybe saying to kids or, uh, recommending if you do make recommendations so i have recently worked with a few teenagers um, who have decided to do experiments during which time they they fast from social media and so i have actually had them take data as to how they're feeling when they're on social media and how they're feeling when they're off of social media um, when they fasted from social media for even a day. Uh, and then the teenagers can see that they feel better, they're more able to focus, they're more present. Um, and then from there we've worked around setting boundaries with their friends as far as, okay, well, here's what I'm gonna do on social media and here's what I'm not gonna do on social media. Um, so I, I, I feel like, helping them see how it could be without the social media and then helping them build the skills to set boundaries with other people, with the world that, yeah, social media can't be on all the time. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a problem and it comes up, I think, in every parenting class that I teach. Even, you know, even with the younger parents and how to sort of manage that I, I also think it's important to, to know that it's, it doesn't have to be black and white all the time. So social media isn't completely a bad thing, but it really is how the teenager manages it um, and what they're using it for and how they feel when they're engaging with it all the time. What are some things that kids have noticed when they did do that fasting exercise? So what they've noticed is that they are more able to focus. It's easier for them to get their schoolwork done. They sleep better. They are paying more attention to their friends in person and their family in person versus everything being virtual on social media. Um, and they've actually noticed, I had a few teenagers notice that their anxiety went down. Their brain was able to slow down and they were able to really slow down their thoughts in a way that they couldn't do when they were always plugged into social media. The other thing um, that was noticed is that they compare less to other kids. So they more just worry about themselves versus worrying about what everyone else is doing. And that worrying takes a lot of energy for teenagers to always be worried about everyone else rather than just being worried about, about getting their own schoolwork done. 
Yeah, I, it's interesting. So last week we had Bethany Cunningham on the show and she talked about this same, this very thing and how, you know, kids, their brain, what we, the research has shown that the brain is firing and it's, it's actually, actually activating the amygdala when folks are even just scrolling through the internet. And so it is interesting that the kids that you're working with are reporting exactly what she was sharing with us last week. So it's really interesting. So um, you, you did mention this, that you see a lot of kids really struggling with failing at school uh, or not failing, but just not getting that A. And I, I hear that a lot that, you know, kids feel that if they're not perfect, then, then they're a failure. And it, it's sort of this sort of black and white. How do you approach that with, with the kids that you're working with in session? So I really try to point out that I try and really focus on the kids' strengths and what teenagers do well. So maybe the teenager doesn't get all A's in school, but is on student council or is a three sport athlete or does some other, has some other talents. I really try and focus on those strengths and amplify them. Um, and for the teenagers to also know that, that I didn't get all A's in school, I was still able to go to college. Uh, their parents probably didn't get all A's in school. So helping them a little bit put it into perspective um, that most of us don't get all A's in school and most of us do okay later in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you have any recommendations for parents whose kids might be struggling with anxiety that's maybe preventing them from going to school or uh, playing in a game, what, what sort of advice that do you have for them? I think trying to have their, trying to meet their teenager or their child where their child is at. And so maybe the child isn't able to go and join a new sports team right then, but maybe the child is able to go and watch practice. Or maybe the child is able to go play a pickup game with their friends down the street. You know, it might not always look the way the parents want it to look, but their teenager or their child is still being active and is interacting with peers. Um, and that's, that's the important thing, that they're doing something. It might not always look the way you want it to look or the way it looked when you were a child, but your, your kid's going to do it, the child's going to do it his or her own way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so maybe the child starts off playing a pickup game with his friends and then next year the child is able to go play the sport um, around the school piece I would really encourage parents to talk with the school and be open with the school around anxiety because uh, a lot of the time the school might be able to help um, and really trying to figure out what about school makes the child anxious it's my experience that when parents let their children stay home from school because the child is anxious, um, 
it, it gets really hard for the child to attend. It's really hard. The more the child stays home, the harder it is for that child to attend school. Uh, so being up front with the school and trying to get some support on that end uh, usually works. It, it works better than letting the child stay home. Yeah, for sure. I, I know, you know, I used to tell the veterans that I worked with, you know, that avoidance is the enemy of recovery. So if you continue to avoid the stressor, then most likely it's just going to make things worse in the, in the long run. But that doesn't mean that there can't be some supports in place. So I love the idea of reaching out to the school. And I think most schools are, you know, they want to collaborate with parents um, if parents are willing to collaborate with them and sort of meet in the middle. And I think, too, I think just going back to the idea that children and teenagers, they want to do well. They want to rise to our expectations. They just sometimes need a little bit of support to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I in the classes that I teach, I, I talk about the four mistaken beliefs with kids, and one of them is assumed inadequacy. So, and a lot of times, you know, kids will show this persona that like they don't care, but it doesn't mean that they don't. It's do you find that as well in the kids that you work with? I find that. Yeah, on the surface level, a lot of the times, teenagers might say they don't care. But once you sit down with them and you have a conversation with them, they do care. Yeah. They, they care a lot. And they almost care so much that it's hard for them to admit to others how much they care. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a hard concept for parents to face because they're seeing it every day and they're like, but they don't care, but, but they do. <laughs> so. They, they care. so without breaking confidentiality, can you share a parenting win moment or a parenting tool that you find most effective when working with kids and families struggling with anxiety or depression? Um, so I have had a lot of success uh, working with teenagers uh, who are like 12, 13, 14 years old um, when their parents really try and amplify their strengths. So parents looking at what their child is good at and creating opportunities for their child to succeed. Uh, that has created that can really turn around to a teenager's mood, seeing that they're talented, seeing that they can be successful. Um, you know, some of those same parents are also making sure that they create time to really talk with their child or their teenager. Uh, so I, I would say amplifying strengths and then also really creating time to talk and communicate and regularly checking in about what's going on. Um, and helping also helping their child connect with other peers in a meaningful way. Um, I, I feel like those are some of the interventions that I've seen parents do, um, that have worked really well for managing anxiety and for de managing depression. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Yeah, I often 
we'll say the same things with folks and especially, you know, just creating that, that special time with their, with their child or their teenager. I think parents think, especially teens, well, they don't want to spend time with me. Well, they, again, it, it goes back to, well, they do. And so I think creating those moments are, are super important. They, they absolutely do. I also, I've noticed that most teenagers function about 75% of the time as teenagers. And the other 25% of the time, they still want to be little kids. They still want, they still want the hugs and the kisses and all the special attention that, that they got when they were five and six. Um, they're still craving all that. They might not always ask for it, but down underneath, that's what they crave. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So can you share with our listeners the best way, best way for folks to contact you if they're interested in scheduling a therapy appointment? Um, the best way to contact me would be to call me. Um, and that would be, uh, the phone number would be 603 953 3386. Um, and most likely I won't answer, and you can just leave a message. My voicemail is completely confidential. Um, so, yeah, I, I would love it if people would call, even if they just have questions, they can call. Even if they're not looking for an appointment, but they just want to say, hey, tell me more about that. Great, great. And, and what are your hours? When do you see patients? Or um, So, typically, I work. Monday through Friday, and I work Monday to Thursday, 10 to 7, I'm available, and Friday, I work 10 to 5. Wonderful. Great. Those are great hours so that people can, can come after school or after work, so that's wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Thank you so much to Jennifer for taking the time to talk to us today. So much of what she shared really resonated with me, but I would say one of the biggest takeaways I got from listening to her speak was hearing her say that kids really do want to do well and be well. This is something I speak a lot of in the parenting classes that I teach, and I hope parents will understand that underneath that apathetic kid is one who really wants more. Now, I'll also mention that in today's show, we shared a lot of great information concerning mental health, but please know that if your child is showing any signs of mental illness, please reach out to a professional for further assessment and take the next steps to make sure that you're connected to the right resources. I really hope everyone has a great day and we'll talk to you again next week.